Terrible Books with Kate. Doo-doo. This is Terrible Books with Kate. I'm Laurel Woods. I'm Caitlin Wilson. And this is a podcast where I pick a terrible book for Caitlin to read. And then I read it and come back and tell Laurel everything that happened in it. Hopefully. Hopefully. Sometimes I forget some plot points. Yep. <laughs> Caitlin here to provide the unblinking eye of the eternally disgruntled. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive right in. That's dope. Pause for a second, because let's get that quote embroidered on something and put it (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) And we'll have like an eye on it. Oh, like Count Olaf. Oh, my gosh. Only if you do all of the embroidery by hand. Okay. And we can can sell everything for a hundred bucks each on Etsy. That will be our new logo. Okay. But yeah, um, our book. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. What is the book? Okay. Hold on. I want you to read it. It has so many blurbs. Oh. I want you to read the covers is what I meant. No, not read the whole book. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. The the book this week was provided by... My husband, actually. Oh. <laughs> Thank you to listener and husband, Lewis. So actually, really quick before Loyal reads that, I got this book from my husband before we were even dating. We were just pals and he knew that I liked to knit. And so he found this book at like the Goodwill. Had you, had you read cheap. this book before? I read it when we were dating... Just because just like I was like, ages oh, yeah, ago. you gave this to me. But that, yeah, that's you, a long time ago. Did you ago. remember any of it? No. Oh, okay, good. When, so, yeah, it was like fresh when I was reading it this time. All right. So I am looking at this wonderful paperback in front of me. It is called Knit One, Kill Two by Maggie Sefton. <laughs> and it has a few different little things on the front. So I'm going to read it. It says a knitting mystery on top of a ball of yarn with a few things. What needles needles poking out of it (laughs) you'll love unraveling this mystery laura child's blurb i knew you would love that first it's a blurb yeah oh with a pun in it it's a a Uh, pun blurb it's a pun blurb blurb. oh (laughs) and then it says first in a new series knit one kill two delivers the goods margaret cole all right, and the cover is looks very cozy. It's got like a rocking chair, and there are baskets with balls of yarn everywhere, and there's a cozy fire. And in the forefront, you can kind of see a table with more balls of yarn and a spool and a mug on the t- table. But then on the floor, you see an, a hand kind of like coming out from behind the table, <laughs> and someone's dropped their knitting they're knitting what looks like a red scarf. And it says on the cover that a delicious recipe mm-hmm. and knitting pattern are included in the book. Yeah. Tell us about the recipe, Laurel. Oh, my gosh. So I already sampled the recipe. Caitlin made us some delicious, delicious, delicious uh, cinnamon rolls. And they turned out really well. Yeah. I didn't eat the cream cheese frosting because I'm lactose intolerant. Womp womp. But <laughs> Caitlin said that it's very lemony. Yeah. It's a lemon cream cheese frosting. Yummy. Well, I have That's to nice. say that that was a really good cinnamon roll. Good. Yeah. So buy this book, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Five link- stars. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Do you want me to read the back of the book? Um, yeah. Read the back of the book. It's There's really long. Stuff. Okay. Okay. After, if you don't want. All right. No. 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 Okay. Despite the fact that her aunt was an expert knitter, Kelly Flynn never picked up a pair of knitting needles she liked until she strolled into the house of Lambspun. Now, in the first in a brand new series, she learns how to knit one, purl two, and untangle the mystery behind her aunt's murder. What does purl mean again? So it's two different ways of knitting. So if you're knitting, you stick your needle through the front of the stitch. And if you're uh-huh. purling, you bring your needle from the back. From the back. 
oh. from the back to the front. So if you knit one purl too, what does that do to the fabric? It makes like a little, so specifically if you're knitting one purl too, like across the whole thing, it'll make little ridges in your in your work. So where the oh. knit stitches are, it'll, they'll stand out. That's how they do the it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So wait. I made you a hat. Yeah. So there's a brim on the hat. Yeah. And I actually, I knitted two and then purled two all the way around oh, the brim. And that's what makes, that's what makes it ribbing. ridgy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like that hat. Cool. All right. <laughs> Kelly Flynn would be the first to admit her life in Washington, D.C. is a little on the dull side. How? In this economy? <laughs> okay. But coming back to Colorado for her beloved aunt's funeral wasn't the kind of excitement she was seeking. Oh. Mm. The police are convinced that her Aunt Helen's death was the result of a burglary gone bad, but for the accountant and Kelly, things just aren't adding up. After all, why would her sensible 68-year-old aunt borrow $20,000 just days before her death? Yeah. It's a valid point, Kelly. With the help of the knitting regulars at House of Lambspun, Kelly's about to get a few lessons in cranking out a sumptuously colored scarf and in luring a killer out of hiding. Nice. Let me say just one thing before we start. Uh-huh. Actually, I think I say that every episode. You do. <laughs> and you always have more than one more thing. than one thing to say, but that's okay. I'm going to bring this up before we even go anywhere. Uh-huh. On the back, in that last sentence, you said, she's going to knit a sumptuously colored scarf. And I'm like, sumptuously is a little florid uh-huh. for me. A little interesting of a word choice. For colored, because I when I think sumptuously, I think a texture. Yes, but maybe that's the author's intention because the whole book she's just talking about yarn in a way that borders on sexual. <laughs> really? Let me read you some examples that yes, I flagged. Please. Let's find this. Kelly really loves the sensuousness of touching yarn. I wrote on that flag, cool it, Kelly. Um, letting it caress her skin, seductively soft. Um, what? Let's see, I have some. Fondling and stroking yarn. <laughs> Luscious yarn. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Um Later, she calls it yummy, which is not so much sexual as just like weird. I don't like it when people call things yummy. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. The only person that I like. OK, so he, like my husband ha- has a family friend and she like disc- and she's British. And mm. so she describes food as like scrummy. OK, yeah. And I love that. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> but yummy. Yummy. Mm, that sounds. Meh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So those are just a few examples. I'm uh-huh. sure we'll talk about some more. But that just, when you were reading that sentence that said sumptuously, I was like, oh, yeah. Remember when Kelly just talks about yarn all the time, <laughs> fondling it and caressing it and stroking it? And I'm like, Kelly, lady. <laughs> Ew. So l- yarn is the romantic lead in, yes. this, uh, in this book. <laughs> it is. So I like this. I, I actually, Tell me the plot. I okay. liked this on the back because it actually starts the plot out really well. Because oh, yeah. Honestly, when I was trying to figure out what the plot was, like I sat down yesterday to write everything out just to have some guidelines. And I was like, I don't really remember the plot because I was too distracted by the poor writing uh-huh. styles. Like there were just some grammar things and spelling things that were distracting. And the plot was really all over the place. And I was really distracted from the plot by 
the characters. Not because the characters were memorable, but because there were so many of them and it felt like the author had to go through every character's reaction in every scene. Right. So like you'd have a page, something would be happening. The event would happen for like a paragraph and then the other two paragraphs are every person's individual reaction in the room. And you're like, wait, what? What is even happening? So it's really halting. Like you can't get a story going that way because you're like, wait, I can't remember what the event even was now because uh-huh. I had to just read two paragraphs of people reacting. It's like that that SNL sketch where he's like, what are you doing here? And then they all go over to the mirror and like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Californians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just like that. Um, but yeah, so Kelly, she is a high powered accountant oh my gosh Uh, we finally found another high-powered profession that's not an attorney wait did they actually say high-powered no but i just like to say Uh, that Well, that doesn't count caitlin (sighs) it has to be in the text okay 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 i don't know if it was in the text the other times i think i was definitely was was it okay yeah cool okay so she's not a high-powered accountant she's just like a normal accountant she comes well she comes to colorado and like i think this is the author's trying to contrast her into like her busy background into slowing down. So Colorado where her aunt lived, she comes there and is, and has to like slow down a lot and like get into the change of pace. Cause at home her job is really demanding and she's always on the go. Yeah. And so maybe that's why I called her high powered. And that's why I thought she was a high powered accountant. Cause, Cause I was she's like, busy. She's busy. Yeah, she's just a busy accountant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but sadly her aunt has died And so she comes to Colorado to put the affairs in order. So she's the only remaining member of the family. So Kelly's parents have both died and everybody else in the family has died. And and now her aunt Helen, they were the only two left. And so she comes to put everything in order and take care of her aunt's assets. Mm -hmm. So also just like imagine how hard that would be because her aunt, her aunt was old. I think she was 80 no, it's at 68. Did she say, did it say 68? It says 68 Laurel, you're so good cover. at remembering things that <laughs> I should have known. But anyway, okay, so her aunt who was older, so not not super old. 68 isn't super terribly no. old. But, um, but like coming to town to have to deal with not a death by natural causes, but by murder. Yeah. So then, and then you have to deal with all the housekeeping details of that. Of like, right. my aunt is dead and I'm so sad. And also extra horrific, she was murdered. But I'm the only one around. I have to deal with this. Right. So that's pretty tough for Kelly. Poor Kelly. Poor Kelly. She comes to town with her dog and you get like a description of how the town is. And she's living in her aunt's. Her aunt used to own like a big farm and mm-hmm. all the farm buildings and like the town kind of encroached. And she ended up selling the main farmhouse to a bank of businesses and then she herself just lived in like the small guest house so that's where kelly is staying uh-huh. so then across the road is this bank of businesses and one of them is Lampspun house of yarn um and she know that her aunt helen really liked to knit and she's trying to just kind of look into her aunt's life a little bit more because it doesn't make sense to her that her aunt was murdered right the police have a suspect in custody mm-hmm 
they saw him running away. Like the, the story that Kelly first hears from the police is like, yes, he was coming out of your aunt's house. And then she, when she gets to town, she goes into the police and talks to him and they're like, oh, well actually he was just kind of in the vicinity running away. And so we just collared him and she's like, well that, (laughs) Uh, that That wouldn't pass on SVU. (laughs) So there's things that are not adding up. And so she goes over to the yarn shop to be like, Hey, you knew my aunt in person. Did any of you see anything happening that night? And in the course of that, like she, she never learned to knit her aunt Helen always wanted her to. Uh huh. She never did because she was too busy in her job. Um, Classic. But the people at the yarn shop kind of pressure her into learning how to knit. Uh-huh. Um, and she gets swept up in the dark underbelly of the knitting community. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this. So I think what's trying to be done here is that like she makes friends who help her in her investigation. Uh-huh. But I never could get interested in the friends. And that's why I was so frustrated about having to go through everybody's reactions. I'm like, I don't remember who any of these people are. <laughs> There's like eight ladies in the knitting, in the knitting circle. Do they all... And I can't keep them straight. Like what... Do they each have a defining characteristic or anything like that? Kind of. But, they're, but it's not super well laid out in the beginning of like, this is Mimi. She does this. This is Lauren. She does this. I don't remember any of their names. Um, <laughs> I'm like, great. We're listing characters. Nope. <laughs> so uh, there's one that's there's one that's a computer gal. There's uh-huh. one that's a tax gal. There's one that's a real estate gal. Uh-huh. I think Mimi actually is a character. Let's Mimi, just call them by that those names though, like accountant gal, accountant gal, tax gal. With that's the same real thing. Estate real estate gal, um, yarn shop owner. Uh-huh. Mimi is actually the a, yarn shop owner. The yarn shop owner. Okay. that's a so real name Mimi. and that's a real character. Uh-huh. Um, she owns the yarn shop. She bought it from Helen when Helen was selling her her property. And then there's a and there's a softball team gal who convinces Kelly to join the softball team. There's a guy in the yarn shop. He spins a lot of the fleece into yarn for the people to use Mm -hmm. and then there's two old older ladies that are sisters so there's that cast of characters that they get together so while kelly is going through stuff you know the police's story doesn't add up and Uh so she's like i'm gonna look into this on my own time while i'm also trying to deal with selling the house and so she kind of gets into some of helen's old papers she meets with helen's lawyer who handled all of her stuff his name is mr chambers and he's really devastated. They, That guy and Helen had been friends since high school. Like, oh, yeah. This is a small town. Everyone kind of grew up together. And so he's so sad, but he's helping Kelly. So it's kind of like two grieving people trying to figure out how to do everything with this. And as she's going along, going through her aunt's papers, she realizes, wait a minute. Why did my aunt take out $20,000? That was addressed uh-huh. on the back of the book. And then the wheels are turning a little bit more. Some more things happen. She finds out that her aunt was giving money to another woman in town. Mm. And she's like, who is this woman? And by asking around and asking the stern sister and the soft sister who are older, so they also kind of have like been in the town, knew Helen in high school. They're like, oh yeah, you know what? I think that might be a relative of your aunt's. And Kelly's like, wait, what? what? No, me and, aunt, me and Aunt Helen were the only ones left from our family. We uh-huh. didn't have any other relatives. Uh-huh. So Kelly goes to visit this gal. Her name is Martha. And Martha 
turns out actually is a relative. She's oh. a second cousin of Helen's. And Kelly's so excited because she's like, finally, I found some more family. I don't have to be all alone. And she's hoping that Martha can help her figure out what what was happening with Helen. Yeah. Um, Martha, her one of her arms is paralyzed. Can you be paralyzed in just one arm? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was accurate or not. Mm-hmm. She's paralyzed in just one arm, and sadly, it's the result of abuse. And she had been in an abusive marriage for a long time, but Helen helped her escape. And that's why she was taking out so much money was she was going to help Martha out um, to hide her and not let anyone have access to her. Oh, okay. So this is like a recent escape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean that the... Can I take a while? Like, can I take a... We can cut this out if it's a spoiler. Okay. But did the abusive husband go after the aunt? No. Oh, okay. Because how it happened was Martha escaped and then the abusive husband actually died. Oh. And so Martha and Helen got that money together so that they could try and um, pay the lawyers to get Martha's stuff away from the abusive husband's family because oh. because he she didn't have access to any of it because she was away right so she couldn't like abscond with her right. belongings how did her husband die i don't remember but it's not like implied that there was something no there was no foul play he uh-huh. just he died and and martha is like i'm not sad about that yeah 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 mm-hmm. So Kelly is like, okay, great. Martha is going to help me uncover. She's helped me uncover the mystery of the money. But now we need to uncover the mystery of like, it's not a coincidence that Aunt Helen died on the day after she withdrew all that money. Somebody knew that it was happening and it can't just be a random vagrant. And also the money has never turned up. So Martha doesn't have the money. Aunt Helen withdrew it. But the guy that they have in custody, he doesn't have it. So ostensibly he was a burglar who came in and was taking all her stuff, but he doesn't have the money. Right. And so the the police are like, well, we took him, we, we arrested this guy in the park. It could have, the money could have just blown away. And and Kelly's like $20,000 just blew away and nobody heard about it or knew about it. So she's like, okay, well now I have a partner. Martha's going to help me. We're going to figure this out. Turns out. Nope. No. The next day. Martha's gone. Martha's dead. Martha's dead. Martha has now been murdered. Oh my god! Knit one, kill two. two. Oh <laughs> wow! How did I not connect that? Very simple thing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Terrifying, okay. right? Okay. So, so how so is she killed the same way? She is not killed the same way. Kelly, of course, thinks this is related. The police don't believe it. The police Why? are really incompetent in this book. Okay. To further the mystery. Yeah. I mean, in real life, they'd probably be a little more discerning. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Is it so, the kind of, is the implication that it's like, because I feel like the, in, in, in fiction. Yeah. I feel like police are, incompetence in mm-hmm. the police force is, is kind of shown in two ways. It's either big city corruption yeah. or small town ignorance. Second one. It's the small town. Okay. So it yeah. falls into the same tropes about yeah. policemen. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Okay. And I think partially too, it's it's the small town ignorance, but also the small town atmosphere of we don't want to investigate anybody 
that we know. Right. So like the vagrant that they arrested, they're like, we don't know that guy. So Uh it's probably him. Okay. So the police arrested this guy because they don't know him. Yeah. They're like, and they won't listen to Kelly of like, we need to look into some other avenues because they're like, we know everybody in town. We don't need to look at any of them. We know everyone. This is so hard to tell because I'm like, I can't even remember like what order things happened in. Well, because she's trying to like, she she does a she does a lot of things. Uh-huh. She goes to a lot of events, uh-huh. and they don't tie in super seamlessly to like the investigation. Um, so they find this vagrant. And Kelly's like, it can't be him. It just doesn't add up. Right? Why would he know about my aunt? I think there's it's. I think this crime speaks to someone with more intimate knowledge. And now she's lost Martha, who she thought was going to be her partner and helping her figure it out martha's gone so what's she gonna do now she's like i think that we criminalize the homeless too much in this community <laughs> she doesn't say that <laughs> she just, just she's not super woke so <laughs> but she does make so during this whole time she's making better friends with everyone in the knitting circle at the knitting shop across yeah. from her the accountant, <laughs> the, the astronaut, no, the softball player, the, the other man. one, <laughs> the one man who's yeah. in the shop, and representation is important, Caitlin. Yeah. <laughs> so while she's while she's talking with them, they coerce her basically into learning how to knit and she hates Uh it and she's having a terrible time but she keeps at it because somehow it's magically soothing and also because i guess this is the first time she's ever been in a yarn shop in her life but she's enchanted by the yarn like there's all those descriptions i read earlier oh so that comes from her like slowly falling in love yes with not necessarily knitting but like touching yarn yes yeah i see and i mean if you're knitting you got to be touching the yarn so cool you know I think what the author is trying to bring about is that it's a slowdown for her. Her life in Washington, D.C. is so busy. Finally, she's here in this really stressful situation in a small town, but she finds an outlet. Yeah. And she learns how to knit. Well, she's in the process of learning how to knit. So a lot of the scenes take place is that, like, Kelly goes out and does something to, like, investigate. And then the next scene is they're all together at the yarn shop and she's recounting it, which is Uh, another problem that I had was that it was, like, I... You had to hear everything twice. And oh, yeah. Wh- like you see it and then you see and, her describe it. Yeah. And then you yeah. see and then you have to see everyone's reactions to her describing. Actually, can I read to you a, a paragraph where everyone reacts? You may read to me whatever you want, Caitlin. This is your podcast. Oh, my gosh. It's my podcast. I mean, your, ti- your name is in the title. <laughs> I am interchangeable. <laughs> Never. That's so sad. Also, is that your dog on that mug? No, this is um, my sister. This is my favorite mug. My sister-in-law gave it to me. It's her dog, who's actually my dog's half-sister. Oh. And her husband's dog, Connor, who's got big googly eyes. <laughs> He's such a dope. Okay, here's an example of Kelly describing something that happened. And then it's at Knitting Circle and everyone reacts. Oh, no, someone else, someone else said something because Kelly also reacts. Kelly dropped her scarf. Mimi choked on her tea. Unflappable Lisa's mouth fell open, while Megan sank her head into her hand. Even Jennifer appeared at a loss for words for a split second. Wait, what did she say? Somebody else. What are they reacting to? Oh, the soft sister of the two old knitting sisters? Yeah. Turns out she's pretty saucy, and she looked up a man's kilt at the yarn festival. (laughs) That's not sassiness. 
I think it was consensual. <laughs> I think he let her do that. Okay. It's kind of yeah. It's real. It's a real. It was a really weird exchange where I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah. Author Maggie. So why are Sefton? we calling her the soft sister if she really should be called the saucy sister? Which she should be called the saucy sister. That's true. Let's the let's saucy amend sister that and stern sister and the stern the sister. stern and the saucy sister. I think initial because Kelly's initial reaction was like, look at this lady who's dressed all in pink and lace and like diminutive her right. other sister's really tall yeah and broad and the sister is tiny and dressed in pink and she looks like a cupcake so kelly thinks she's like soft or whatever but then you keep saying like she looks like a cupcake is that something that's described in the book yes oh <laughs> that's gosh. why i'm okay, saying I'm like, that i don't think caitlin would ever describe someone as looking like a cupcake i wouldn't okay no you wouldn't <laughs> Not in any situation. No, but Kelly does. Kelly thinks she looks so like what, a cupcake. You read like this description, this this list of 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 ways that people reacted to something. Yeah. What were they reacting to? They were reacting to Kelly had gone with this with the saucy sister to the yarn festival up in the mountains, and and they were reacting to Kelly and Lizzie, the saucy sister, telling the story about, well, Lizzie ran away from me at the, at the yarn festival. And she looked, I, when I found her, she was looking up a guy's kilt and someone was like, Oh, what color was his underwear? And Lizzie just says it was green. And they, that's the reaction. Everyone reacts to them saying, Except, to Lizzie's. Okay. A. Yeah. Traditionally kilts are worn without, undergarments that's brought up i think that's why there was the question even of they were like a guy in a kilt i think they don't wear underpants with those and so yeah. Liz is like i'm gonna go find out i'm old i can do oh, whatever i want okay yeah yeah, yeah. that was I'm old i can do whatever i want <laughs> yeah the yeah <laughs> okay so, so yeah Great. Everybody reacts. I thought everything. that they were reacting to like a key point in the plot when no. you started reading it. I'm like, oh, I wonder what happened. It does no. sound like it. It should be. I mean, they should react. But I mean, that's just an example. That's an example of something that happens over and over and over again. Right. That specific paragraph, just people like are changed around the order of how they're reacting to things. One other thing that happens up at the yarn festival, Kelly goes with a guy from in town. He's kind of we don't learn a ton about him. And I think he was, he, there's like hints of maybe romance between him and Kelly. Right. But it doesn't ever come to fruition so in flirting. this book. Yeah. It's just yeah. flirting, which is surprising because I feel like a lot of books that we read, it's like formulaic and you have to get to together somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Have to get there by the end of the book. And right. it doesn't happen in this one. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool actually. Yeah. But it is the first in a series. Yeah. So it probably happens in one of the oh, other books. Oh, that's true. I was going to say they left that. What's that saying of like, if you, put a shotgun on the mantelpiece by the end of the book it must go off or whatever who said that i don't know tolstoy? i've never heard that it's probably tolstoy nah no say it else. is no totally misquote that tolstoy <laughs> said is. that 100 <laughs> percent. um yeah i think it was if you leave a clue at the beginning of a book then gotta resolve then, it yeah gotta resolve it okay yeah in the books that we read that often is represented as a man smiled at the main character <laughs> They have to marry by they the end. They have to marry by the end. <laughs> shotgun wedding. Because all the books Ties we back read into are horrible Disney movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't get together with this guy. I think his name is Steve. She doesn't get together with him, but he does kind of help her out. He's he's not part of the knitting circle, but he is kind of part of the circle of like, you're, you're one of my new friends that I found in town. You're going to help me figure out about Helen's death. So he's not the one knitting guy. No, that's a, no, that's a okay. different guy. Okay. Yeah. 
that I think his name is Bert. Bert is the guy who spins in the yarn shop. And Steve is the guy that Kelly's kind of like, oh, he's kind of handsome. He looks like my handsome ex. But then that's her initial reaction to him. But then later he doesn't. Uh As she gets closer to him, she's like, oh, he looks nothing like Jeff, my old boyfriend. And I'm like, well, why bring it up then? But okay, sure, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Because the writer thought of that phrase earlier on and then didn't edit it out later, Caitlin. (laughs) Steve and Kelly drive together to the yarn festival up in the mountains romantic while they're there uh-huh she sees like an old cowboy farmer and recognizes him not him but his name she hears somebody say his name to him uh-huh. and recognizes that name from some of the research she's been doing into Helen's life uh-huh. so she recognizes that he's somebody that graduated with Helen in high school and has been in the area ever since and might still have connections she thinks he does because in the yearbook he signed it love or like always yours Kurt mm. and so she's like I never heard about Aunt Helen dating this guy she married my uncle Harry not this dude so right. why did he sign the yearbook love like what is this oh my gosh so she's like well I gotta I gotta like question this guy and comes up with the most terrible plan in the world she and Steve jump in the truck and follow this guy back to his ranch and as like as they're following him, you know, they're on the main roads, like, cool, cool, whatever. Yeah. You can follow someone on the main roads. But then he turns off onto, like, a ranch road. I don't know. Have you ever been, like, on a ranch? I feel no, like. No, but I can imagine being on a ranch. I grew up in rural Arizona. So I think of, like, you're on the main road, cool. You turn off onto someone's, like, side road that's going up to their house. If it's a ranch road, it's not, like, there's nowhere else you could be going. Right, right. It's, At that point, you're like, oh, this person is following me. It's basically their, like, two-mile-long driveway. Yeah. It's not, it looks like a road, but it's really a driveway up to their house. Yeah, so they follow this guy to his house. And Kelly's, at this point, she's like, oh, well, uh, this is really obvious. What's our story? Turn if we're off the be lights, here? Steve, so he doesn't see we're following him. <laughs> In the middle of the desert. It's Colorado, Colorado's not a desert. I don't know why I said that. Some parts of Colorado are desert. <laughs> you know what? That's true. I don't think this one is because they went up into the mountains for the yarn festival. So I think they're closer oh, to, like, in yeah. the mountainous part. I don't know about the, I don't know any geography. It doesn't matter. We'll probably never read about Colorado again. So they go and they're following him. And Steve's like, you know what? This is what our plan is going to be. Let's just pretend that we're married. (laughs) Sure, Steve. Sure, Steve. Let's pretend that we're married and we're looking to start a ranch in this area. And you want to raise alpacas. And somebody at the festival told you that he was the man to ask. And that's why we're here. Wow. He didn't think through this at all. No. It's so dumb. I mean, no, well, but this is what I mean. Like, it's dumb, but it's also oddly specific. Yeah. <laughs> Leave yourself some wiggle room. <laughs> yeah. Alpacas. Okay. Okay, Steve. <laughs> yeah, especially since knows what he wants. I, I guess. Yeah, this is this is actually his fantasy. He's just yeah. like, Kelly, this is how, this is how it's going to be I just want to marry someday. a gal who wants to retire <laughs> into an alpaca farm with me. <laughs> actually, that sounds really relaxing. You are welcome to do that. It's probably really hard work. I talk to my husband about this a lot of times because I'm I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we could just move to Iceland and you could just like work on your computers and I would just raise sheep. And he's like, raising sheep is really hard work. And I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I would just raise them and then I would shear them and spin wool. I mean, spin yarn from their wool and then I'd just be like the idyllic lifestyle and he's like yeah that's really hard and he's like you're too lazy to do that and i'm like you're right but please don't interfere in my fantasy 
So Kelly and Steve have this plan. They get up to the guy's house and the guy's like, who are you guys? I'm an old cowboy. And he's kind of <laughs> like gruff and mean at first. And Kelly's Why like, did you follow me up I'm in my scared. driveway? But then they like come out with their story and their he buys story? it. Their fake story. And he buys it. And he's like, oh, well, let me tell you about alpacas. It's because they, you know, like the yarn, they stroked his ego. So <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Uh, he like Kelly kind of tries to introduce the subject of her aunt because that's I mean that's the whole reason she's there. She's like you know my aunt, but she's like I don't know how to bring that up in the context of an alpaca conversation. Uh-huh. So she she kind of does it, but it doesn't go all the way that she wants it to. But they've at least like made contact. So actually, as she's researching, she, she from what she's surmising, she's like Curtis might be the one who killed my aunt. Like oh. unrequited love. Ha- like harbored resentment over so many years i need to confront him wait this comes out in a con in the conversation with him about alpacas no this sorry this is she's she's home now this is after the oh okay after they've left this is her this is her thinking of going down a rabbit trail in mm -hmm. her mind and she's like i gotta confront him this guy is deaf's the killer well and thinking that she's like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go tomorrow and I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm going. Oh my gosh. Don't do that. Don't confront a killer who lives on a ranch in the middle of nowhere and not tell anyone where you're going. Yeah. Luckily, miraculously for her, he's not the killer. She goes and confronts him and he's like, she doesn't confront him. She kind of tries to lead the conversation. She doesn't come right out and say, you killed my aunt. She goes in and Good tries. Choice. Yeah. She weasels her way into a conversation of like, you knew my aunt. Oh, my aunt is Helen. Tell me about your relationship. Wait. Thank goodness Curtis is not the killer because he's like, oh, yeah, fond memories of your aunt. And she's like, oh, well, did you ever kill her? <laughs> <laughs> no. She's like, did you ever sleep together? Because I've come across some stuff in her papers that like maybe she slept with someone maybe she had a child out oh of my gosh i know where this is going <sighs> and he's like uh yeah we did sleep together once only once it was the night of graduation and she was really and upset you definitely can't get pregnant if you only have sex once well i don't think i mean that's not true i don't think that's what he's saying either though, but sarcastic. i think he's just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so roundabout and like Kelly, Kelly's working off only only a signature in the yearbook that says "Love Kurt." There's like no other information that she can yeah. find out. And she asked when Martha was still alive. She asked Martha about it too. And Martha's like, "I don't know, uh, I don't know." Uh, okay, cool, Martha. You weren't any help with that. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so Curtis is like, "I walked your aunt home from from school every day." And I had the biggest crush on her, but uh-huh. she never reciprocated until that night of graduation. Uh-huh. And Kelly doesn't Kelly doesn't tell him that there's that there is a child that was given up for adoption that she can't find. Oh, so she knows that there's a child that was given up for adoption. I think at this point, I'm I may be mixing up some stuff. I think at this point she isn't sure. Uh huh. Um, she's trying to suss it out, but I'm working from my. Hindsight vision of like, yes, she eventually finds out that there was that her aunt Helen did have a child out of wedlock (gasps) shortly after high school. Oh my gosh. And so she's like, okay, well, she didn't tell anybody about it. Like, oh, Helen's just gone for a year. 
Curtis tells her about the relationship with Helen in high school of that she had a crush on somebody else. She loved somebody else who, for some reason, she couldn't be with. And he's like, I don't know why. She was awesome. She was funny. Uh-huh. She was beautiful. Why? Like, she could get anyone she wanted. <laughs> and, and she was like, not you. <laughs> yeah, she didn't want him, sadly. And and actually, that's kind of a point. Like, the older ladies, like the two older sisters, they're like, I don't know why Helen never wanted him. He was super handsome. <laughs> <laughs> he still is, in fact, because he, like, comes into the shop in one of the points. And they're like, oh. He's cute. Kelly, I don't think she comes to a conclusion about, like, she doesn't know. Because, like you pointed out, you can't know who the father of the child is. Because she did spend the night with Curtis when, oh, it was only one night, but she can't say. She's like, okay, Curtis could be the father of this kid that was adopted away. But also it could be whoever the the mystery man the mystery was. man is. Is there no clue of the mystery man in the papers that she's looking through? There isn't. And um Helen was very like closed mouthed about it. Closed papered about it. She didn't <laughs> write it down ever. <laughs> she didn't talk about it. She didn't write it down, which is surprisingly they didn't, like, sign her yearbook like hags, like, you know. <laughs> what? Hags? Yeah, yeah, have a good summer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> I was like, hags, that's so mean. <laughs> no, it's like an aggro if you were right in your books. Have a good summer. Oh, I wish I could go back in time. I know. I just write hags. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Yeah. I, as, oh, maybe right I'll next go to, to me is a, is a stack of yearbooks from my husband's co- uh, high school years. You want to just take a look through them and count all the hags that Those could pop gigantic. up? My I yearbooks know, were right? like this big. Rural versus rural yeah. versus city living, man. That's true. I mean, city living, suburban living. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, he never wrote. So he, there's no indication of him anywhere. And actually, the way that she finally finds out about him. Nope, I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm going to talk <laughs> about this later because yes. there's another thing that I have to bring up. So while in the midst of all this investigating and also trying to deal with pressures from her job back home, they're like sending her stuff um, to work on, I think through the internet. Uh-huh. I'm not quite sure because at some points I'm like, do does the internet not exist? Could you not just like do a Google shirt search for all the stuff you're trying to find out? Because is like, she going to the library looking at microfiche or well, something? Well, she's just like trying to confront people in person, especially about this adoptive kid. Yeah. I'm and like, you're like, dude, learn how to stock a Twitter feed. Yeah, like, or also just like look up information information online. Like she can't find out where the baby was had she knows that her aunt was in wyoming at the time but she doesn't know like the name of the institution or the orphanage that adopted the baby out or anything about it and i'm like a simple internet search yeah could get you halfway there and then you can go and do the legwork of talking to people but instead she's just out tossing wild assumptions at people of like this is a thing. This is my theory. Confirm it or not. And you're like, Kelly, just go work on your computer for a second. So good draw diagram. <laughs> put some red string to some things and then then go talk to people. But she I mean, she has a bunch of yarn. Oh my gosh. And access to all the other yarn. This is okay. This is a small pet peeve. This is an aside. Because she like joins this knitting circle and they like set her up with materials for knitting they give her a bunch of yarn they give her a bunch of needles and i'm peeved because i am a knitter and that stuff is so expensive and they're just like kelly welcome to town let's give you all this stuff and she doesn't even appreciate it because she doesn't even like knitting and i'm like you don't know how good you have it oh! <laughs> 
Is it is it pity yarn though? It might be pity yarn because she's terrible at knitting. Well, no, no, because no, her aunt just died. Oh, her aunt just died. <laughs> I forgot about that she's part. She's terrible at knitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably pity yarn. That's yep. smart, Laurel. Way to keep <laughs> way to keep track of this book. Good job. I forget I just, about. I things feel that like are my happening. role is to just keep you on a, on the level of reality <laughs> that reading books requires. <laughs> Stopping you from falling in love with different characters. <laughs> Stopping you from getting overly upset with other characters yeah okay yeah cool 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 i'm I'm fine i'm not mad about fictional yarn <laughs> anymore so why was i talking about that by the way because you were angry about? about it well what got me into it what was i talking about you were talking about how um, oh she was in a knitting circle and in this knitting circle something something <laughs> in the knitting circle as they're like talking everything out and she's trying to figure things out that's one whole side of her of her purpose for being in town of trying to figure out her aunt's murder but the other side the initial reason was that she had to put all the affairs in order mm-hmm. and all the affairs because she oh, had a baby good one requires things <laughs> yeah but part of that is i mean financially she's like should i keep this house i i own it it was yeah. willed to me uh-huh um but I have a job back in D.C. Right. Decisions. But, oh, and this is another thing that, that is part of that decision is that she's like, I don't think I can sell this house because Helen took out a second mortgage on the house Ooh. to get that $20,000 to help Martha out. And it was a really, I mean, really bad terms. And so if, uh-huh. if Kelly tries to sell that house, she's going to be yeah. in. Is this book like secretly an allegory of like predatory mortgage when was this when was this written elderly (laughs) yeah maybe is this post 2008 (laughs) but she she while she's doing that um and putting everything order talking with mr chambers the lawyer and they're trying to fit he's like well what do you want to do with all the assets like i can help you figure it out but also like you have to ultimately decide um a real estate man comes into town his name is mr gretzky a, a real a realtor um a real estate. i want to say realtor but i because i think he might be an investor oh okay because you He's said not, real estate man a real it estate man feel like he was like in the music man or something <laughs> and you're like i sell houses <laughs> <laughs> he's a music man he's a what he's a what <laughs> <laughs> you got Titles with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for property. <laughs> that doesn't rhyme. <laughs> he's a real estate man. He's uh, he's an investor. He's also a realtor. Uh-huh. He's something to do with realty. And he comes in and he offers Kelly a great deal on this uh-huh. farmhouse. He's like at least $10. It's like more like two million. Oh my gosh. That's so many dollars. That's so many. Is it that doesn't seem that seems fishy. Right. And at the same time, the bank of businesses that the yarn shop belongs to, there's a cafe, there's a couple other things. It's in Helen's old farmhouse mm-hmm. have just been notified that their lease is going to be up because someone new has bought their place. 
It's called uh-huh. Big Holdings. Wow. Big Holdings, Inc. So Big Holdings has bought this place out and then Mr. Gretzky is really on top of Kelly to sell. And he's like, my buyers will wait for you for however long you need to decide. And she's like, you're creeping me out. I don't like the feeling of this. Through some interesting detective work, they figure out Mr. Gretzky works for Big Holdings. So the whole thing is. Wow. I know, right? Wow. There's some dots to connect. The whole thing is he's going to buy up that whole section and just build a bunch of condos in this beautiful section of town. And they don't want that because of reasons. Kelly, as she's figuring this out about about Mr. Gretzky and Big Holdings, she she finally decides not to sell. She's like, she comes to some personal realizations that she's like, I don't want to go back to my job in D.C. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I want to stay here. I don't know what she's going to do in town to live. There's already an accountant (laughs) in the knitting group. Is she going to like, she going to like shove that lady out of the way? Yeah. She's going to come to her and be like, there's only room for one calculator lady in this town. (laughs) And then they have a shootout. Yep. High noon. With, uh, with their TA, TA force or whatever. (laughs) I know. Calculator model names. <laughs> I I don't know. She decides to stay in town. Pew, pew. <laughs> um, and at one point, after she decides to stay in town, she's at knitting group. She's talking to the older sisters, the saucy one and the stern one. And the saucy one says, you know what? I do remember something about your Aunt Helen. And Kelly's like, what, what, what? Tell me. And she's like, everyone was so jealous of her because Curtis Stackhouse walked her home from school every day, but she spurned him. And I know the reason why. (gasps) Kelly's like, what, what? What's the reason? She's like, Helen had a secret lover. I saw them kissing behind the gym once. It was Lawrence Chambers. And Kelly's like, (gasps) The dude. The lawyer? My aunt's lawyer was her secret lover? Oh my gosh. I'm so bummed out that I didn't ask earlier. I was like, was it implied that there was a thing because he was so sad or whatever? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So, so Mr. Chambers is the secret lover. So Kelly, in a very ill-timed attempt of finding stuff out and just ill-thought-out plan, goes <laughs> to him and she's like, hey, I know that you were my aunt's lover. And also, I don't know where the baby is, but I'm looking for him. Have you, like, seen a baby around here <laughs> in the past 40 years? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it describes this, this scene. It describes it. She, like, looks away. I don't know. I don't know where the baby is, but I'm looking and did it. And then she looks back at Mr. Chambers and his face is white. Oh. He didn't know that Helen got pregnant and had a baby. Boom. Ah. Yeah. So, wait, but did Curtis know? Curtis didn't know either. Okay. And and you know what? I don't think we find out whose baby it is. I don't know if we know if it's Curtis or Mr. Chambers' baby. But we do we figure out who the baby is? Yes. <gasps> oh. I've, have you seen a baby around here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I like gonna, that. I'm gonna, I have a guess, but I'm going to hold it in. Okay. You you hold out for that. So, um Mr. Chambers 
he confesses that, yes, they were in love and like the reasons that they couldn't be together. His parents kind of like had an arranged marriage for him that he couldn't uh-huh. ever get out of. And, and it ended up being a good marriage. But as I was thinking about this, I kind of like did that thing where I put myself in the place of it again. I'm like, how awkward would it be if your high school love and you, you both you were together for all of high school and then you both married someone else but still lived in the same town. And then he was your lawyer for that whole time. And yeah. you just saw him that whole time. And it's never implied that they were, like, having an affair either. Like, they weren't, like, on the slide. Oh, yeah, he's my lawyer, but he's actually my lover. No, it's just, like, he was her lawyer. He uh-huh. just worked for her for her entire life while they were both married to other people. I guess, cool, you grow up and you get mature and you, like, don't care about st- not Maybe not care about it, but you, like, can deal with it I in a mature way. I wonder if that's way. just, like, a thing. That you have to deal with if you live in a small town. Because we have a friend who's like kind of on the older side. And we also live in a town that grew really exponentially like in recent years. And it used to be a small town. And she talks about this town. Like she'll refer to people that she still sees now. And she was like, oh, yeah, I dated him. But then she married my other friend or whatever. And it's like, okay, I think time just passes or something. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, if you do stay in a small town, you will. I mean, you will have you to just deal have with to that. deal with it. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Actually, when I was home this summer in my small town in Arizona, it's kind of this tangled web of like we all used to date each other, we've all made out with each other, right? But now we're married to other people, right? Right. So I guess yeah, I guess you just have to be in that situation to to deal with it. Okay. So, so 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 so. Um. <laughs> Kelly ultimately comes up with a theory about who killed her aunt. And that's in conjunction with everything personal that she's found out about her aunt. She thinks that Helen's long lost son killed her. How does she know it's a boy? She has no proof. This is my beef with this storyline is that I think, I think it's supposed to be clue after clue and she puts things together. But when she when she says this theory, you're kind of like, wait, what? That's not the conclusion that I was coming up with. What was the conclusion you came to? I thought I thought that Helen would be killed for the real estate reasons. I thought that Mr. Real Estate Man would come in and and offer for that reason. I didn't think that the adoptive adopted son would have anything to do with it i thought that was just like a salacious detail yeah about helen's life what is the motive well kelly's mind so let me hold on just a second let me find it because i marked it because i wanted to read it because i was like this is so crazy of just it's a really wild leap in logic let me find it so this is the track that i'm on right mr gretzky real estate man he's he's the one that offed helen Kelly's also on the same track currently, and she's gone to confront him in his office. One of the things that was missing from Helen's house was an heirloom quilt. That was one of the things that didn't add up. She's like, why would someone steal a quilt that has no no value except sentimental? It's like pieces from her wedding dress and baby clothes, and there's like a lock of baby hair from their baby that died. It's, it's like it's a family heirloom that why would anyone steal that right so kelly goes to mr gretzky's office and she says this while i was in his office talking to his assistant this call comes in she puts it on speakerphone and the message is from a frame shop in old town the family quilt gretzky brought in last month is ready the woman says 
the quilt with all the little needlework and embroidery pieces in the middle of the square, and the lock of baby hair. Kelly paused deliberately to let the message sink in. They put a lock of baby hair on a quilt. Yeah. She said. <laughs> <laughs> they used to do a lot of stuff with people's hair. Did you know that? Yeah, like stuffed pillows and stuff. Yeah. But, okay, so there's a lock but of baby p- hair. How do you display that on a quilt? I mean, probably... So, okay, if you cut it off and then it's bundled in one area and then you just, like, sew around it. But then if you use the quilt, it's going to fall out. Well, I don't think they used the quilt because it was, like, a display piece of, like, this is is our history of our life. I see. All right. Here's the the reactions of knitting group. She's telling this to knitting group. Lisa and Jennifer stared intently, as did Bert, but Megan drew back with a gasp. (gasps) Helen's quilt, she cried. How did he get it? Kelly leaned over the table and the others followed suit. Even Bert's wheels stopped spinning. The only way he could. Gretzky murdered murdered Helen. He's the killer. What? That's crazy, Megan cried. You can't seriously believe he'd kill Helen for a quilt. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, you are correct. That's not the reason. (laughs) No, of course not. I think he took the quilt after he killed her, Kelly explained. I think, wait a minute, wait a minute, Lisa exclaimed. Are you sure it's the same quilt? Yes. So... Kelly explains that she, having, like, overheard the call, she took one of the cards from Mr. Gretzky's desk and went to the shop herself and was like, I'm Mr. Gretzky's assistant. I'm here to pick up the quilt, which is a pretty little clever maneuver. And she got the quilt back for herself. Yeah. So, in a way, it is the same. Or it is, like, the the person that you would guess is the same. But the motive motive is is different. different. Yeah. that's, That's what... So that's what we're coming to because um, so Bert tells her, oh, you're a long way from proving his guilt. Gretzky had always say Helen sold the quilt to him before she died and you can't prove that differently. And Kelly's like, I know, but my gut tells me he's the killer. Now we have to prove it. And I'm like, OK, well, that's, that's not poor police work. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jennifer says, hold on. Why do you think he killed Helen? What reason would he have? And here's where Kelly goes off the rails. Kelly glanced around towards the browsing customers. I believe he's Helen's illegitimate son, the baby she gave up for adoption years ago. And I'll bet anything he discovered Helen was his birth mother and tried to force himself into her life, especially after he discovered she owned a prized piece of real estate. That bastard. Hmm. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Jennifer mused aloud. That makes sense. And my flag here says, does it though? idea that like he would inherit it i i guess but he how inherit could he the land he because he would prove that she was his mom and then he would inherit the land because sh- she doesn't have any other heirs he should have proved that hairs good one he should have proved that she was his mother before he killed her then it doesn't no, make because sense then to- oh yeah so he just killed her and now kelly kelly is still in the will he should have like yeah. Made amends and then had himself written into the will before he killed her. Right. I would, I would think. So this is this is my problem here is that that Kelly just says I believe he's the illegitimate son and there is no reason for her to believe that. Right. Everything we've said before, we we know there's an illegitimate son out there somewhere. We don't know where he is. She never did the Google search to find out where in Wyoming yeah. the orphanage was. Like, there's no reason to believe that real estate man Mr. Gretzky 
is the son. Right. But all of a sudden she's like, I think he's the son and I think he killed Helen because of it. And everyone's like, okay, that sounds good. Let's <laughs> trap him and find some proof. <laughs> okay, everybody. <laughs> so that's, I mean, and that's what they end up doing. They, they like. It should be more like frame one, knit two. Oh, nice. Anyway, go on. <laughs> they, they set up kind of like a sting in the knitting shop because everyone's really mad at Kelly from before when she just went to confront Curtis on on her own at his. Oh, ranch. she got in trouble for that. Yeah, they're okay, like, good. Kelly, we care about you, and she's like, "What? People care about me? Oh my gosh, people love me. Okay, I'll stop being dumb." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this time around, when she wants to confront another killer, she not another, but she wants to have another confrontation with someone she believes is a killer. She allows everybody to help her. And, like, they set up a sting operation altogether of, like, they're going to lure him into the shop by telling – she's going to be like, oh, I think I'm going to sell to you. Why don't you meet me at the shop so we can go over the terms? And then he'll come in and then they'll, like, press him for details and pressure him into admitting that he killed Helen. It's not a great plan. Not great. It's a terrible plan. However – it it's works. The plan. What? <laughs> it works. They set everybody up in in the shop. Kelly, um, You're like this is an intervention. And then Kelly start. <laughs> Kelly starts like questioning him and being really fierce. Oh, she asks him like forty questions in a row. No, just like five. Why didn't you just take the twenty thousand dollars and leave Helen alone? Why'd you kill her? Did she refuse to sell her property? Was that it? What drove you to murder your own mother? <laughs> Wait, but the $20,000 wasn't for him. The $20,000 was for the... Martha. Martha. Oh, no, but yeah. it was she saying, like, why didn't you just rob her? Yeah, yeah. Because that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> the point is that he gets her real estate. <laughs> exactly. Wait, so all this time, she was right. She Her motive was just wrong. Yes, she was right about the person, but... But she chose a different motive. A different motive than... She's than like, oh, she wanted think. to murder... He wanted to murder her because of quilts. Yeah. And you're like, or, yeah, no. No, that's not. It's what about it was. the money thing. <sighs> the $2 million. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Also, why wasn't Kelly tried to, like, why didn't he try to kill Kelly if. If he already if, killed Helen. If he already killed Helen and killed the other lady, I'm guessing. The. Yeah. The cousin. Martha. Martha. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He killed both of them. So why wouldn't he just kill Kelly instead of offering her $2 million? Because then we couldn't have more books in the series. Was he trying to kill her? No. So that he just let Kelly figure Kel- it out. Kelly figured it out. Yeah. They confront him and she asks him like a bunch of questions. Yeah. And I'm, I, I he denies it for a second. He's like, how dare you accuse me of murder? And then Kelly's like, do you know what I do for a living Gretzky? I'm a corporate CPA. That means I know how to tie your finances into so many knots, you won't be able to access your assets for years. So she threatens him with tying up his assets. Which, how is she going to do that? I don't know. And he still denies it, and he still denies it. But then she brings up, oh, you know what? There was some DNA evidence at the scene. And he's like, wait, what? Oh, the baby hair. No. (laughs) That's a different baby. Oh, okay. That would be really good, though. <laughs> Ties back in. No, it was actually a drop of blood was found at the scene. And so he's oh. like, what? My blood is at the scene. And um, 
what does he do? I don't think he actually he doesn't actually confess. She says, there was blood at the scene. Gretzky's step slowed and he paused near the doorway. Um, and then he kind of like stumbles and loses his balance. And Kelly sensed he was balancing on the edge, but the ground was crumbling beneath his feet. Not the literal ground, his like moral ground. She gave the last <laughs> nudge. If you're innocent, you'll want to prove it, won't you? That's easy. Just give police a blood sample and this will all be over. Something inside collapsed and Gretzky seemed to fold in on himself. He leaned against the doorway to the foyer. It wasn't supposed to be like this. He was relaxed. She should have sold me the land. It was so easy. Why didn't she? None of this would have happened. Ugh. And he just cries. <laughs> and in this part, he says, too, she refused to cooperate. After all those weeks of visits and phone calls and presents, she refused to sell. Even when I told her that I'd gone into debt to finance this deal with the developer, she still refused. I couldn't believe it. How could a mother refuse her only son? Oh, my gosh. How could I not manipulate this woman into doing my bidding? Yes. Thank you for rephrasing that, Laurel, the way that it should be. Mr. Gretzky. Oh, wait. Mr. Gretzky's not real. <laughs> what? Mr. Gretzky's not real? What? He's not a real person. What? Laurel, you're the one who oh, told me oh, I have to pull oh, myself oh, out oh, of this. I thought you meant... <laughs> I thought you meant, like, no, oh, this is all a made-up thing. Or in real life, he's okay. not a real person. No, no. Yeah, stop getting overly attached, Caitlin and Laurel. <laughs> so, okay. The... This and then this is the the last scene of the book. Okay, Mr. Gretzky is taken away. Bert, the the spinning, the one man in this knitting circle. Yeah, the spinning guy. He takes Mr. Gretzky out, and everybody in the knitting circle is like, "Oh, maybe we should knit to relax." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and this is the last sentence of the book. With that, Kelly headed outside into the Colorado sunshine. Her friends following after. And then I turned the page and I was like, wait, what? That's the end? <laughs> yeah. So when I read this, I was like, I feel like there should be a little more wrap up. We should find out like what happened to Mr. Gretzky. Also, what happened to Mr. Chambers? We never yeah. found out like if he was the dad or not. Right. We don't know if Curtis Stackhouse is the dad. We don't know a ton about Mr. Gretzky's motive for killing Martha. And also, we don't know why he didn't kill Kelly either. Right. And there's like just like a should've. lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really wanted that real was, estate, right? What you gotta do is you gotta kill everyone in your way. It's just there. It's it's just over. And I'm like, yeah. maybe more of it is addressed in the next book, but I don't think so because I think the I think the formula of these books is that each new book in the series is like a new mystery that you solve by the end of the book. The last book we did, I did just like five things that I didn't like as I was going through that just kept coming up and up. Like I do, yeah. I do flags as I'm reading, but then when I find myself flagging one thing over and over, I'm like, okay, I'll just make just write it down. Just write yeah. it down. So one is that she's in love with yarn and is always talking sensuously about yarn. Don't love that. Too many characters, you can't keep track of them. I want to address that. Yeah. Because you don't complain when other novels have a lot of characters. Like I don't see you yeah. complaining a lot. We've talked about Anna Karenina That's before true. in mm. conversations that I have cut from this podcast. <laughs> too long. And you don't complain about the characters in that. So is it that there's too many characters or is it that the characters aren't compelling? That's the the second one. Yes. The, there's so many characters. And I think it's the, I think the premise is to provide Kelly with a reason to stay in this town. Yeah. She makes this big group of friends and they really welcome her. And I'm like, but neither... Not one of those friends has enough about them to pull me into their character. Yeah. They're just 
placeholders. Right. It's just to be like, look They're at like Kelly. A, she has all these friends. Is it like, um, like it's like a peanut gallery for her to vent her thoughts to or a chorus line to play the back- backdrop yeah. to like the main thing? I would care about it more if, if it wasn't just every character echoing what Kelly is saying. Yeah. There was another thing, too, that I think maybe was an attempt at being folksy, but Kelly calls everyone Mr. And it's like spelled out, spelled out, M-I-S-T-E-R. I don't know why that bothers me. That's not a legitimate criticism, but I'm just kind of like, hey, Mr. <laughs> I don't know. And then also she says heck of a, and it's spelled H-E-C-K-U-V-A. Oh. That's a heck of a deal, Mr. Gretzky. And she says it multiple times. The last one that I had was the use of the words resonate and sense. So Kelly is always resonating with something. Something happens and she's like, it really resonated with her. Uh-huh. And then Kelly sensed that this would be going on. And I'm like, that's her whole approach. She doesn't go for hard facts, especially in coming up with that wild theory. She just sensed that Mr. Gretzky was tumbling on the edge and she should give him, she, in her inquiry, she should give him one more push and then he would crack. It's not, uh, it's overused, resonating right. and sensing what is going on and not actually observing and, and seeing just like drawing conclusions from the air. I think maybe she's supposed to be intuitive. That's what that's supposed to bring about. So it's a, it's a clunkily written intuitive character. Yeah. So I want to actually talk about that a little bit more because the idea of the intuitive detective is mm-hmm. something that comes up in literature, right? Like Father Brown. Um, right. As opposed to Sherlock Holmes or Agatha right. Christie's Poirot and Miss Marple. Um, who are kind of a combination of intuition and fact finding Uh more fact, more heavily on the fact finding. Like there is definitely like an intuitive sense to father Brown. Yeah. Um, And I'm wondering if that's just something that our culture has moved away from. GK Chesterton wrote the father Brown novels after Sherlock Holmes wrote like after the Arthur Conan Doyle books. But still, I think that the, I think, the modern reader is more familiar with the less intuitive and more like fact-based detective. Yeah. Anyway. Would you be offended that she was solving things intuitively if it were better written or does it offend you that she's solving the mysteries intuitively or does she just have bad intuition? I think it's that she has bad intuition. <laughs> Cause she found the wrong, I mean, she, she found the right guy for the wrong the right motive. Guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. I would I think I would be less it would be less grading if if it was I mean, if it was better written. If you were led through her intuitive leaps mm-hmm. so that you could follow them. And I and I understand like the point of building suspense. You don't want to lead your audience right along with everything that the that the main character is doing. You want to leave some surprises for them, especially in a mystery novel. But you shouldn't be, you as the audience should not be so surprised when the main character comes to their final conclusion. I feel like you should at least have a guess, have a guess and also be able, once you see it, even if you're surprised at the twist, you're like, what? And then you should be able to hindsight be like, okay, yeah, mm -hmm, that makes sense. In this one, it was just like, artfully misled. Yes. (laughs) Right. Um, And that, so that, I think that's what my problem is. One redeeming quality about this book is that 
when I got to the end. Yes. It wasn't the end because there were two patterns, two knitting two patterns. patterns? <laughs> I mean, on the on the front, it just says recipe and pattern. I know. There's I, two? There's two patterns. I was surprised. I was like, okay. So the first one is just this so long. It, it's just one paragraph. In that sense, it's like read one, knit two. <gasps> oh my gosh. This book. So clever. Kelly, in the course of the book, as she's learning to knit, she learns to knit a scarf first. Uh-huh. And she knits it with really big yarn on really big needles. They call it Kelly's first scarf. I had to go out and buy special needles for this. Oh my gosh! Because look, <gasps> those at are these. huge. <laughs> they look like swords. Those look like those novelty um, pencils that yeah. you can buy. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. So I Adventures had to buy those shopping with Caitlin. giant needles. Wow, to make this blue scarf. I chose blue. I know you really like blue. Aww. So the second. The second pattern is called Lambspun's Whodunit Shell. And a shell is just a fancy word for a vest, I think. Because <laughs> when I was making this, I'm like, this is just a vest. I looked it up later and they're like, well, a shell, a vest has skinny um, shoulders. Oh, okay. And a shell is kind of wider, almost oh, like a cap sleeve okay. shoulder. Uh-huh. So I made this, the wow. Lambspun Whodunit Shell. Oh. Isn't that nice? That is. Oh. i'm gonna put it on so me and laurel after we finish recording we're gonna take a picture with both of these projects on our bodies yes and then we're gonna post it to our instagram so you guys can see what they look like but honestly probably what's gonna happen is both of these things are gonna be donated um i think i'll take out the yarn from the shell because do you wear vests no i don't either i don't think any organization that you donate that to will want to give it out as a vest exactly so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna undo the yarn and knit the yarn probably into hats and scarves oh nice i told laurel that i was gonna be making stuff from the book and she texted me this last week and she's like how are the projects going and she's like how was you know the one that was written in the back of the book but i was like this one was also poorly written (laughs) (laughs) here's my beef about this one that it's essentially two of the same piece just sewed together at the shoulders and then down the sides, Uh right? But if you're going to write a pattern for something that just uses two of the same thing, then you should write out the instructions and then just say, make two of these. Right. But instead, the way that they did it was wrote it out for each one. And in the second one, they were like, knit the front, now knit the back. And they did a different stitch count. So they're like, cast on 46 stitches at the beginning. And then for the second half, they were like, cast on 45 stitches. I'm like, that seems weird, but okay, I'll follow the instructions. And then halfway through, they're like, do the same thing as you did for the other ones. And I'm like, well, the math doesn't line up now because I have (laughs) one less stitch. And it really drove me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for indulging me in in a crafting novel what are you are you kidding me thank you for spending hours of your precious life (laughs) making these projects so that we can take a goofy photo like this is awesome well you've produced some lovely work and the cinnamon buns i've eaten one and a half of them now nice and they're delicious thanks for bringing them over Welcome. All right, Laurel, do you regret not reading this book? I don't know. I kind of, I don't know if I'd read this book, but you reading this book has made me more interested in craft-based murder mysteries. You could probably read another of Maggie Sefton's. I sent you some pictures of the names and they're much punnier than this one. One was called Fleece Navidad. (laughs) (laughs) I like that So maybe you could try that out. (laughs) Are they all based in like the same Colorado town? I think so. Okay. Yeah. With the same like lead characters. Mm -hmm. 
Who else around Kelly is going to get murdered? I don't know. I hope maybe maybe Steve. Maybe they won't ever have a relationship. He'll just get murdered. A book named Felice Navidad isn't going to let young love die. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us again on another episode of Terrible Books with Kate. We will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Squeeze a tempting yarn. Caress or fondle a tempting yarn. Gross. (laughs) Whatever, Kelly.